So rather than learning Rav Schwab on the Parsha, tonight we're going to learn something from the Haggadah. He actually uh, has his own Haggadah, Arts Girl put out, I think, last year, maybe two years ago, a Haggadah with Rav Schwab's Torah in it. I'm sure this piece is in there as well. Um, before we start and discuss a Ha'ara that Rav Schwab has on, um, on Yitzhak Mitzrayim, I just want to tell you a nice story that they say about Rav Schwab on the night of the Seder. So the Yekesh Minig was not to wear a kittel on Seder night. Yekes don't wear kittels on Seder night. But Rav Schwab, at one point in his life, for some reason, he decided that he wanted to start wearing a kittel, which is very, very strange, you know, that uh, unexpected, let's say, that you know, Rav Schwab would change minhagim all of a sudden and start wearing a kittel. But he felt that it would add to the somber and serious tone of the evening. And, um, and one night, one Seder night, after the kids had a, a little bit you know, of wine and they were getting a little giddy, as sometimes children do on Seder night, Rav Schwab was trying to get everything back in order. So he grabbed onto the lapels of his kittel and he says to his young children, you should just know that in this kittel, I'm going to be buried. This is my tachrichim. This is where I'm, I'm going to be buried in this kittel. He says, and I'm giving over tonight, on Seder night, all of the Yisaitis of Emunah that I, wanna, I want you to know long after I'm gone. It's not a night for joking. It's not a night of fun and games. That's for other times maybe, but not tonight. Tonight, I want to give you from my essence of what I'm trying to convey to you in terms of Amuna and Bitachen, which is all of the, the, the amazing takeaway from the Seder night, if it's done properly. And, uh, and this is something that stayed in his children's minds and hearts uh, until today. So in Parshas Bay, the Pasuk says, Uleman tisaper ba'oznei bincho ben bincho. And so that you should say over, this is the mitzvah of Sipur, that you should say over, you should be misaper in the ears of your son and the ears of your grandson, Es asher the way that I played around with Egypt, the way that I was able to uh, make a mockery of the Egyptians, and the signs that I placed in them. So Schwab points out something very, very fascinating. I think it's a famous var from him. I've heard it before, but I think this is the source for it. Who's Hashem addressing? Hashem is talking to Meish Rabbeinu, and He's saying that I want you to uh, tell over in the ears of your son and your grandson what I did in Egypt. Now, who's, who's Hashem talking to? He's talking to Meish Rabbeinu, and Pashtas, if He's talking to Klal Yisrael as a whole, so Bincho and Bincha is everyone's sons and grandsons. But he's talking specifically to Meisha. So if Schwab is making, a, I think, a, a good argument that Bencha and Ben Bencha are really the sons and grandsons of Meisha Rabbeinu. V'tzarech bir, lama nesyached bekan inin sipur yitzis mitzrayim shu'uchiyav shal am Yisrael b'chlalai. Why would HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when he's speaking about the mitzvah of sipur yitzis mitzrayim, which is a general chiyav to, to everyone in Klal Yisrael, 
Why would he limit it al banov uvnei banov shal Befrat? Why specifically the children of Meish Rabbeinu? These were not the only children. Meish Rabbeinu's children did not, as we know it, have any special powers that, uh, that the other children in Klai Yisrael did not have. Why would we think that Meish Rabbeinu, why would Meish Rabbeinu be commanded specifically to tell his children? Anyone have any theories, any hunches, without looking in what Rishwab says? What, what would be the unique nature of Meish Rabbeinu's children? He raises him. Maybe everyone else will see him. Maybe it's his children, and everyone else will do their children. Okay, that's a good shot. That maybe like they're like the model houses. Like Meish Rabbeinu is giving a model seder, and he's. The, Well, it's for sure, everyone would be commanded to teach his son and his own son and his own grandson. But why would Hashem command Moshe Rabbeinu about his children specifically? Exactly. That's a, is that what you wanted to say also? This, there was something very unique about Moshe Rabbeinu's children, and that is that Moshe Rabbeinu's children uh, were not in Mitzrayim... Why is it so loud out there? Um, what? There's a bunch of visitors from Yeshiva. Oh, I have to speak to them. Um, so, why would... So he says like this. V'yitachin l'farishar miyad achir yitzis mitzrayim l'hayat sarich l'saper l'vneim es hanisim anifloi shas Hashem. Maybe a regular person that lived through yitzis mitzrayim maybe would not have to tell it over to his children. Why? Because they lived, they, they were there. They, what are you telling me? I know it. I was there. I saw the shibut. I, I felt the, the whips. I, I, I knew the, the labor. I knew the, uh, you know, the, the, whatever we were experiencing. I don't need you to tell it to me. However, we all saw it. Rabbeinu's children stayed in Midjan, why did they stay in Midjan? They never came to Mitzrayim. Aaron told them not to come. So Leiro es Hanisim ba'atzim. They didn't see the Nisim. They themselves were brand new. They came after Yitzchak Mitzrayim to meet their father, to meet Moshe Rabbeinu in the Midbar. So maybe it's specifically to them. Maybe the mitzvah of Sipur wasn't even fulfilled by any of the other kids who went out of Egypt, because you're telling me something that I know. But Meshach Rabbeinu's children didn't know anything, so Sipor could very easily be only to speak to somebody that, you know, that didn't see it. If you saw it, if you experienced it yourself, I don't have to tell me, you don't have to tell me about that. Obviously, that's, I don't know if that's true or not in terms of Allah Chalamaisa. Allah Chalamaisa, uh, there is a mitzvah of Sipor, um, you know, across the board. Every Klal Yisrael, I don't know if the mitzvah only began once that whole dar was why Pashtas so the mitzvah of Sipur is, uh, is, is in general, but it could be at least on a certain machshava level that Meshav and his children were special in that they did not experience it, and when you don't experience something, that is what Sipur is. Sipur means, I'm telling you something that you didn't know. If, let's say I just saw you know, uh, something amazing. I just saw like a nace. I want to tell it to you. If you were there with me, what do you, you look at me like crazy. Like what? I was there. You don't have to tell it to me. I was there with you. But if it's somebody, somebody that did not see the nace, 
So then that, that's where there would be a mitzvah of Sipur. That's a very beautiful pshat that Schwab gives. And another pshat is as follows. Eidiyesh lefarish, sharimayla hi bekiya mitzvah sipur yitzhiz mitzvahim kishemishtamish, kishemishtamish bekayach ha-pilpol, laharchiv ulahagdil ha-sipur, lahavindavim itach davar. There is a, uh, a mayla when you're speaking out yitzhiz mitzvahim, when there's a mitzvah on the 15th, on the night of the 15th of Nisan, and two weeks from tonight, to be able to speak out the the Sipur Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, we don't just stam say it, you don't just tell the story, but you also do what? You have to go into the lumdus of it. You have to discuss, and that's why, you know, I don't know if it's as popular today as when I was a Bacher, but like, it used to be like, the Haggadah to get was the Brisker Haggadah. Then they came out with another Brisker Haggadah, now they came out with a lot of different um, versions of it, but... It was. It's full of Tyra, That's beautiful Tyra, and lamdish and and you know tudinim and you know all of the all that you expect, all the lamdish, all the rigor of Tyra Shabal Peh that we have during first seder. That's what a real seder is supposed to look like. You're supposed to go into all of the pratim, speak it out, and be marchev, expand on it and discuss it with chazalin and with the beauty of of a perspective. That's tyradic. That's what we're supposed to be doing. This is what we find in the Haggadah. There's, it's full of pilpul. The Haggadah is really like a lot of brises and, uh, and, and, and mishnayas and things like that that you could really get very deeply into. There's halacha and there's drush and there's agadah and there's ramazim. There's so much in the agadah and that's what you're supposed to do. It's not supposed to be something you just quickly read through uh, to just to get to the meal as quick as possible. It's designed to be spoken about and to discuss and to have people... It's interesting, Rav Schwab actually was against on Seder night, having um, the children come to the table with all these stacks of Divrei Taira, you know, with the Haggadahs that they made, and start, like, telling over Chassam Sefer and a brisker Rav. It says they should keep that, for the, even though they're all excited to do that, but he says that that's very nice for the Yant of Damiels. Damiel, let them bring it out, let them say all oh, the Pshatim, it's beautiful. But he said that the night of the Seder is really not a night that the children should be teaching the parents. It's a night of Yigadah You're supposed to, if you're able to, it's not, you know, in a lot of households, it's the opposite. Like the parents and the grandparents are not able to teach because they unfortunately didn't have that same education as the children do. That's very common today. So that's why if you can't, you can't. Obviously somebody has to lead the Seder. If the parents can't lead it, then the children will lead it. But in a, in a regular home, it should be that the parents, assuming that they're educated, they're the ones that are supposed to be telling over uh, the Haggadah, the Sipur, and all of the, everything going on to the child. And they're spo- the children are supposed to ask Manishtana, and then the parents are supposed to explain to them about the Mayinu, answer the questions, and there should be a back and forth, but it's not like a night that the children are supposed to crowd the plate, and they're the ones that are teaching their parents about everything. Again, unless 
unless that's the circumstance. If, if the parents don't know, then of course there's a mitzvah for the children to, to take charge and to make the seder as, as gishmak as possible. But in a perfect world, the parent is supposed to be teaching the child. So it's, it's just an interesting perspective of Schwab that you should, the child should say it over, but not at night. Night, the night of Tesvav is the night of Sipur from a parent to a child. And afterwards, the whole Yantav, they have other times to, to say over all of their Torah. So, the Isa Begemara, Amar Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya, Lainitna Torah al Mesha Lazare. The Torah was only given to Mesha and his children. An incredible Gemara Nadarim that says that the Torah wasn't really given to the entire Kal Yisrael. Hashem gave the Torah to Meish Rabbeinu and Meish Rabbeinu's future descendants. Meish Rabbeinu was very generous. He had a good heart. So he shared his Torah with the rest of, with the rest of Kal Yisrael. V'nasna Torah Yisrael. Umasik Bugemara, but the Gemara says there that what he means is El Popula Baalma, meaning that he was able, he maintained the Kayach of Pilba. Meaning, obviously, Klai Yisrael did get the Torah, but what it means is that Meish Rabbeinu was, had really the, the exclusive rights to the Pilpul of Torah, to the Torah Shabal Peh, with all of the, 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 the Chakiras and the uh, the Kashas and the Clares and the Lamdas, all of that was Meish Rabbeinu's department. He shared it. He went and he shared it with the rest of Klai Yisrael, but it wasn't something that, um, it wasn't something that he himself uh, had to. It was his own, it was his own thing, and he shared it out of the goodness of his heart. The Kivan and since the main giving of the Kayach HaPilpul was really Shaykh only to Meisha and his children, Nimsa Shiesh Lahem Adifus, so therefore they have an Adifus became Mitzvah Sipur. Since it was Meisha and his family that really were the Bailam on, they were the owners, they owned Pilpul, and since the Haggadah itself is what? The Haggadah itself is designed to be Pilpul, so Meisha Rabbeinu, you can make a case that it was him and his children that were given the main Mitzvah of Sipur. If you assume that the main mitzvah of Sipur is the mitzvah of giving it over, but giving it over with a lamdas and a gishmak, then that is something that is Meshra Beinu's uh, private uh, domain, in a sense, because he's the one that owned Pilpul. He gave it to others, he shared it later with others, but originally the mitzvah was given over to Meshra Beinu and his children. So we have two pshatim from Rav Schwab. What exactly is going on in this pasuk? Why would Meish Rabbeinu be commanded uh, to tell over specifically to his children? And the first pshat again was what? That Meish Rabbeinu's children were the only ones in Klai Yisrael that were not in Mitzrayim by Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. So for them it was a, a novelty. For them it was something that was a, a real chiddush. And so that's why they were the ones that were given the command to be told about the Sipur. And the other pshat was that the Kayach HaPilpo was Meish Rabbeinu's, and since the Haggadah has to be given over with the Kayach HaPilpo, then that is something that is, uh, is unique to them. I wanted to just uh, share with you tonight, because it's, uh, it's Rosh Chaydesh Nisan. I spoke about this a little bit on Shabbos, but I don't know if anyone, is anyone here on Shabbos?
Very few guys. It was like a go off Shabbos. No one was there? Okay. What? You were here? Okay, so you're not going to say what I'm about to say, all right? Because, all right, so Rish Chaydesh is a time of his Chadshas. That's why it's called Rish Chaydesh. Chaydesh is from Lashon of Chadash. It's something new. And the reason why Chaydesh is Chadash is because the moon waxes and wanes, and you know, it goes from like, you can't even see the moon on Rish Chaydesh, and then all of a sudden it starts starts growing a little bit and a little bit, and then finally you see a sliver, and then it gets bigger, and then the middle of the month it's full, and then it goes back down to being a sliver. So the moon symbolizes his chachas. Everything that's new, every new thing in the world, is symbolized by the moon. So when we're holding on Rosh Chaydesh, every Rosh Chaydesh has the ability to inspire us to Chiddush, that we should want to renew ourselves and we should want to have Chiddush in our life. And if that's true for all the months of the year, it's certainly true for Rosh Chaydesh Nisan because it's, it's, the, it's Rishon Hulachem Lachat Shashan. It's not just a new month, it's the first of all new months. So if there's one night of the year that we really could tap into newness and freshness, it's Rosh Chaydesh Nisan, it's tonight. Tonight is like the, it's the, it's the source, it's the genesis of all newness. Now the world is very into news. The world is very into news. Everyone's into how many times do we look on our, on our phones and we want to see you know, what's going on in the world, whether you like sports or whether you want to see you know, if your team is winning or if you like politics and you want to see what's going on you know, with that, who's winning the, the polls and the president and this and that. Or if whatever it is, whatever. But people love chiddush. It's the way it is. Everyone loves technology. Why does people like? I want to. I want to see what's you know what's out there. What's new? What's the what's the newest music that's out there? People like things that are fresh. People like a new sound. They like a new. They like something new. When's the new iPhone coming out? When's the new? When's this book coming out? When's uh? When's the movie coming out? Everybody likes something new. Nobody likes old stuff. People want always new. And so the, this, I think the Rebarach Ber speaks about this, and he says, why is it this way? Why is everyone so crazy about the news and having something new? Like, what's wrong with the old? So he says that really there's one thing that every single person really should be craving in terms of something new. What is that? Chidushe Taira. Chidushe Taira means that as much as, as many Svarim as there are in the base Madrash, from the Pnei Yeshua and from the Rashba and from the Ritva and from, and from the, the Chacham Tzvi, and, and there's a million Svarim, the Nitziv, there's a zillion Svarim in the base Madrash. And, and our base Madrash doesn't have like a tremendous library. If you go to, you know, real libraries, you'll have like whole, you know, buildings full of Svarim. We have like the, the major Svarim. There's so many chidushim, and yet, if you go into a, a svarim store, anyone ever hear of Beagle Eyes in Svarim store in Borough Park? Be- no, that's and that's Pinters. But Beagle Eyes is uh, it's it's like it's one of the old main like svarim stores in Borough Park. I think it's on Fourteenth Avenue, and it, all the scholars go there. All the tamidachamim go there. They get every new sefer in first. So if you're waiting for a sefer to come in from Eretz Yisrael. 
Um, like I'm waiting for a certain safer to come in. Uh, I love Rabbi Eliabar Finkel. He was one of the Rashivas in, in the Mir in Yushalayim, and he was Nifter very young, tragically. He got sick. And, and, but, so they started putting out all of his svarim. It's called Misholchan Rebeliyahu Baruch. A phenomenal svarim. If you want to get like, yourself a really, really good set of svarim, that would be it. I would, that's like on the top of my recommend list. That's what I give as bar mitzvah presents. Um, so they have two volumes on, Bresh, on, on, on Chumash, and then there's another two volumes on Yom Taivim. And now they just came out with a volume on Haggadah Shal Pesach. So I'm dying to get it, but all the Svarim didn't get it. All the stores didn't get it in yet because it takes time to come from Eretz Yisrael. Printed Eretz Yisrael takes time, so I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. You go to Beagle Eyes, I have no doubt Beagle Eisen has had it for like a month already because they, I don't know, they airdrop it, I don't know what they do. They bring it in and they, uh, and they, they have it sitting there. And they, this, so Mr. Beagle Eisen, who interestingly enough, uh, he lost a son in 9-11. son was one of the f- only from people that were killed in 9-11, Nebuch. And um, then he himself was nifter during COVID. But I once asked him, how many new svarim do you get in every week? Every week you go in, it's a brand new, like the tables are just brand new. Like all new svarim. People are putting out, he said, about 75 new, brand new svarim every week. That was about 20 years ago. Today it's probably triple because the computer enabled people to, to pump out Svar much quicker. Like it's much more efficient. Back then, it was a whole process to how to, how to print a safer. It was not so possible. But today you just hit a print button and they, you know, it pops out a safer. You can get it. You know, Amazon, there's, they have a company called, um, what's it called, Print on Demand or something, and you just basically, you, can, you don't even have to print books. You just have, you send them a PDF, and then people could order it online, and they, they print a fresh book for everyone that orders it, and they ship it out for you. It's a brilliant thing. But it's very easy to put out Svarim today. So it's, there are so many people that are writing Chidushe Taira, besides for all the Svarim that we have in the base Madrash. Every day there, there is dozens of new Svarim being put out. I mean, the Chamim are working and writing new Svarim. They're very, very into, uh, into being Mechai. That's the point. To come up with something new in Tyra, it doesn't have to be, you know, writing a whole shtigl Tyra, but like, it could be just, you have a kash on a, on a Pasuk and Chumash, you have a kash on a Rashi, and then you come up with a Teretz, and you have a, that's also Chidushet Tyra. That newness is something that every single human being in the world was implanted with a love for something new because they really, it, it's really supposed to be to have a freshness in Tyra, to want to be able to think about new things in Tyra. And unfortunately, it's one thing if Gaim don't understand it, but we don't understand it. So we also love you know, things that are new, but it's really the main thing that we should be into in terms of new, the purpose of, of our love for something new is that we should have a love for new Tyra, to be able to develop and refresh our own, our own ideas in Tyra. When you, whenever, did anyone ever think of like a new thought in Tyra? Raise your hand if you did. Okay, so you'll, you know that if you, re, if you thought of something, it could be something very, very big, very profound, or it could be just something very simple. But when you think of something new in Tyra, 
You own it. It's yours. You will never forget it, and you should never forget it. You should. I always tell guys, get a notebook, write things down, and, and when you're learning whatever it is that you're learning, when you're being Mavisedra, or when you're learning, uh, you know, you're, you're looking over at your Haggadah, and you're preparing for your Seder, think about it. Don't, it's great to look at, at what all the G'daylam write about it, but before or after you do that, think about it yourself. You're bright, guys. So, like, see if you can ask, like this kash that we had tonight, Bin Choven, why is my Shrabbena's kids different than everybody else? So Schwab had that question, and he came up with two answers. I bet you if anyone, you know, if you take a walk around the block and you think about that very question, you can come up with your own pshat. And if you do, that's your own chiddush. You own that. That's yours. And if you're going to say, well, listen, if it was true, don't you think one of the great rabbis in the past probably thought of it and wrote it somewhere? And the answer is no. Because every day we say in davening, Give me my chalak in Tyra. That means that every single person in the room has their very own unique portion in Tyra. You have your own chalak in Tyra. You, you could write your own svarim. I know it sounds crazy, but you can. Every single person has maybe volumes to write in terms of your, your own chidush Taira. And it's your job. It's not something that you should, you know, say, well, but, but I won't. No, no, you have to. And when you come to Shemayim, they might ask you, Hashem might ask you, where's your chidush Taira? How do I know that Hashem might ask you that? Anyone know a famous story? What? The Nitziv. Excellent. There's a story with the Nitziv. The Nitziv was one of the G'dayle Adar. And when he was a child... No, let me start, let me back up. He put out many great svarim. And when he wrote a sefer called um, Hamik Sheila, which is on the, it's on the, the, uh, the Sheiltis of Rabbi Chaygain, he basically, he made a siyam. Like, let's say I was in a tziv, and I invited all of you to my siyam. He got up and he said the following. He says, it's a tremendous simcha that I'm making tonight. What's such a simcha about it? Because he says, when I was a little child... I wasn't such a big masman. I wasn't learning so much, if at all. And one uh, night, my parents thought I was already sleeping, and I was really listening in to their conversation in the other room. And my father said to my mother that, you know, he, I think they used to call him um, Hirsch Leib, I think. It was. His name was Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, but I think Hirsch is, uh, is Tzvi, and Leib is Yehuda, so... I think it's either Leib Hirsch, Hirsch Leib, I don't know, they had a nickname for him. He says, Leib Hirsch, he's not, uh, he's not, uh, he's not learning it as well as I thought he would. So I think what we should do is, you know, we'll hire a little tutor to learn with him every day a little bit. And the rest of the day, he'll learn an apprentice, he'll be an apprentice in, to a carpenter, and he'll learn how to make stenders, and he'll learn how to make tables and chairs, and he'll make a nice parnasa, and that's it, and he'll be, a chash, he'll be an erlachayid, and he'll learn a little bit, and that's what I want for him, because I don't think he's not like, I don't see any passion in his learning. So, and they agreed to that, and all of a sudden, I, as a child, you know, I knew that I wanted to be a tamachacham, I knew my parents expected me to be a tamachacham, so I burst into the room, and I started hugging my father, and I started crying to him, and I said, Tati, give me one more chance. I want to be a Tamil Chacham. I don't want to be an apprentice. I, don't want, to, I want to learn. He says, okay, but you, know, you have to really learn. If you want to learn, you've got to learn. 
He says, and that's the point that I started really, you know, steiging and I started getting into it. And because of that, Arayim, he became, of course, Rosh Hashiva Velazhin, and uh, he wrote many classics for him, like the Hamik Davar on Chumash and, and Meray Mesada on Shas, and yeah, a tremendous svarim. But he said, I would have come, if I had not been there that night or I had not run into that room and convinced my parents otherwise, he says, I would have been a, a, a very fine carpenter would have made a nice, you know, a lot of nice standards in my life. I'd make a decent parnasa. I would, I would have been erlochiyir. I'd be honest. But I'd go up to Shamayim, and they would say, Naftali to Yehuda Berlin, where is your hamik Shela? Where is your hamik Dover? Where is your... Ma-? They said, what, what are you talking about? What, what, what are these things that you're saying? Now, these are Svarim. Svarim. He says, Svarim... I could show you my brochure of, uh, of things that I made in the, in the carpentry store. He said, no, 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 you were supposed to write a sefer on the shiltis. You were supposed to write a sefer on chumash. You were supposed to write a sefer. He says, and I wouldn't know what they were talking about. But now that I was able to, uh, now that I was able to do this and I was able to actually publish a sefer that I was supposed to and be mechadesh taira, so I could go up to Shemaim and I could say, here, here it is. This is what I, I did for you. This is what I wrote. We all have, I'm not saying that we could all write a Hamak Shela or be the Nitziv. The Nitziv was like the God Ladar. But each and every one of us on our own level has to be able to learn and be creative in learning and think. And if you're, if you're just learning and you're not thinking on your own, it's not exciting. It's going to be a very difficult road. But the people that are really into learning are people that are creative and they want to they wanna think themselves. Some people, when they learn a taisis, they just learn the kasha of taisis and the taras of taisis. But you know what real Tamilcham do? They say, all right, here's the kasha of taisis. What is taisis going to answer? What would I say if I was taisis? That's the way to learn because that, like now your creative juices are flowing. We have so much creativity in us, but we're like, we're already like trained like not even to use it. Like we're, we're dried out and we're burned out. And the best way to be able to really have a geschmack in learning is to make it your own learning, to make it your own taira. Get a notebook, write kashas, terutzim, speak to your rabbeim about it, speak to your friends about it, and get, and before you know it, you're going to fill up one notebook after another notebook. You're going to feel amazing about it. This is my taira. I'm not just learning other people's art, which of course you have to, but I'm learning my tire. This is also, it's my creativity. This is my brain. This is my, my neshama that was mechadish this. On the night of the, the chiddush of chidushim, on Rish Chaydesh Nisan, this is a brand, new, a brand new year and a brand new opportunity of being mechadish. Let's try to start thinking about how we are going to make our own learning very personal how we could think and we could ask and we can answer and we could, or if you're learning other svarim you see a kasha, before you look at his tarot, what would you say to it? Think about it. You might have, I don't know, or you could think, you know, there's no wrong answers in learning. You're always going to be right on a certain level. And so write it out, think it out, and in Hashem, you will have a year full of chiddush, full of ischachos, and in Hashem, you should have a wonderful, wonderful smile.